Good afternoon, well, good morning. It is Sunday, November 29th, 2020. Been about, well, been less than a day since we last spoke, and as usual, a lot has happened. And this is not going to be the most positive of programs or podcasts. I'm going to say it right now. Um, There's going to be some reality dropped on some things that have happened. We are far from out of this, but I spent a lot of time this morning looking at what needs to happen. And I'm referencing quite a few experts, people that are not going to blow smoke, including our president, who see the reality of winning this and the paths are narrowing. And we'll start, we'll talk about a couple things that happened in Pennsylvania since I was last with you. It hasn't been long. Right now it is 9.40 a.m. Pacific time and a great deal of things have developed. They're not all negative, but we're going to break down what has changed in Pennsylvania and most of it has changed for the worse for our team. We'll talk about Georgia. I'll say it right now. If Georgians don't receive some kind of justice in a fair hearing on the massive fraud committed in their state, they shouldn't vote in the runoff in January. And I'll talk about why. This is not an emotional reaction. Of course, I mean, it is in some ways. Partially it is, and it should be. I am not with people in participating in shams. I never will do it. I don't do it. And we'll talk about why they should not vote and send a message, a damning message to the Republicans and anyone who thinks this party is not going to be about Donald Trump regardless what happens with this election because they are wrong if they think there is some gap they can move into and create a new Republican party that doesn't involve Trumpism. That's not possible and we won't allow it to be. We'll talk about where Wisconsin is. I'm still very positive about Wisconsin. We're going to talk about what has to happen in Michigan, Arizona, and Nevada, and then we'll share some good news about COVID and a few numbers there. So start with Pennsylvania. We knew you had to know when this fight started, we're going to see the true measure of some of these Republicans and people we don't even know. And we've had the pleasure of meeting State Senator Doug Mastriano, who's been a highlight of this show for a few days now. And I'm hoping no matter what happens, he grows into something bigger and representative of the national GOP. I really hope so. This guy seems like he has the right stuff. And this has been an opportunity for him to perform in the spotlight. And he certainly has performed well. So, yes, we got to see Doug Mastriano. We got to see what he was made of, what he was able to do in the last few days. And Since yesterday, he has gained more and more Republican support in the Pennsylvania legislature for his resolution to take back control of the electors to the state legislature from the governor and essentially overturning um, past legislation from 1938 where they ceded that power. And I don't know the details why. They're not relevant. They, the legislature voted to give that power to the Secretary of State and therefore next the governor. They're going to take that back. Well, that looks like it's not going to happen. And I talked about the measure of people and who we will see. Let's meet GOP State House, Pennsylvania State House leader, Brian Cutler. Brian with his mask on, stunning and brave, last night... <laughs> 
spoke to a new news conference and let everybody know that they are unable to meet. The legislature is unable to meet after Monday. Essentially, they're not meeting again and that it's not possible based on their constitution to consider any new legislation. And of course, this is only relevant. These aren't announcements they make. Everybody knows this. This is only relevant because there is a massive piece of legislation pending that becomes irrelevant if they wait until January 5th when these losers reconvene in the new year. If this sounds pathetic, if it feels pathetic, if you want to call this guy a loser, you are more than authorized to do so. There are things these people can do in extreme circumstances, in an emergency, and that's what we're dealing with here. This came out, I believe, late last night. It's barely breaking in local news. Uh, you have to find the story. But he said, and I quote, we are physically unable to consider any new legislation before the end of session. <laughs> a simple resolution takes three legislative days for consideration, and a concurrent resolution takes five legislative days to move through both chambers, which means we do not have the time needed to address any new resolutions in our current session. This guy's a Republican. Okay, this guy's supposedly GOP. Could he be more vanilla? And I'm sorry to say, you see him behind a podium with his suit and his cute mask on. He just looks like a weak dude. And I don't want to go by how people look. I never do. But when I match the appearance with that statement in the times we are in right now, dude is a vanilla, milk toast soft baby. The kind of guy that Pennsylvanians, and if any of you are listening or ever listen to this, you people need to vote this sorry son of a bitch out. Okay? These guys need to get primaried by people like Sean Parnell, who's fighting in that separate lawsuit with Mark Kelly from Congress, from the U.S. Congress, to get Article 77 thrown out. So before we move on to that, as of right now, I don't know what can happen. I haven't had a chance to look at what Mastriano can do to drop a trump card on this Brian Cutler character and get the legislation back in session to consider this emergency resolution. Because you can never trust what a weak person tells you or swears to. Based on what I'm seeing, Brian Cutler is a weak person. So we don't know what avenues are available. And these guys think they can actually get away with omitting those avenues when they appear before the press. They actually feel, right, they actually feel like they don't have any options when really they might have options. They're just difficult. And clearly in these difficult times, Brian Cutler doesn't measure up. No matter what happens, this guy needs to go. And here's somebody, not only is he a Republican, he's leadership in the Pennsylvania State House, right? This guy's a shot caller. This is what you get from these people. And this is why it matters who we vote for. We know now there is a point, based on the Democratic radical left machine we're up against, the people we vote for need to measure up when the heat is on. We have to vote for people that we know will not back down, who reflect the ideals and values of Donald Trump, especially when a fight's on.
And so this guy ghosted. So maybe I'll have an update tonight. Sunday's a slow news day, but we are in extreme times and there is still a lot going on. I am sure we will hear from Doug Mastriano today. Watch for that. If you don't have Twitter, I know everybody's anti-Twitter. I now do, and I need to share that with everybody. I'm also on Parler. It's a fantastic way. Twitter is still the best way to stay on breaking news, right, moment to moment. And I believe between Twitter and Parler, Twitter is still more user-friendly. Now, the hope is eventually we all can move just to Parler and leave Jack Dorsey and Twitter in the rearview mirror. Right now, where I am with this show, with getting the brand out, I have to be on Twitter, right? And a lot of the conservatives are who have moved to Parler, big time, big name guys. They're still on Twitter. So they're they're um, praising Parler. They're encouraging people to move to Parler, but they're still on Twitter, right? So they're just duplicating tweets to whatever they call them on Twitter. Uh, I mean, on Parler, I think they call them parlays or you know, they upvote and all those things. It's a similar it's a similar model as Twitter. It's not as user-friendly, getting close, they're working on it. And I love Dan Bongino has an interest in Parler and it's a great guy to support. And I hope Parler becomes as um, not only user-friendly, but just as big as Twitter. And I think it can. And when that time comes, a lot of us will move to Parler exclusively. So to close it out, watch Mastriano today, watch the news on what happens next in Pennsylvania. My, my prediction is that avenue's done. The avenue just last night I was speaking of that we were very dependent on to be the beginning of what would be a contingent election. And what that means is it goes to a non-270 electoral vote scenario where a number of states like Pennsylvania didn't send their electors for Trump. They just said they couldn't certify based on the fraud, based on the evidence. And so now we're at a point where if that does happen, it has to happen without Pennsylvania. And that's not a scenario I ever considered because no expert I follow has considered that path working for Trump without Pennsylvania. It can still happen with three other states through the legislative avenue where Republicans pass resolutions and lock in control of the electors and say basically they have faithless electors. That's the, that's the statement. They just have electors that cannot represent the state based on the election that they held. And so that would zero them out. You get three of these states remaining, Arizona, for instance, like Arizona, Michigan, and Wisconsin were to do that, or putting Georgia in there. Yeah, it's the same way. I just feel like that's less likely without Pennsylvania. Almost not likely. Now we can still win in the courts. To close out the path in Pennsylvania, Kelly and Parnell's lawsuit took a great boost when Justice McCullough affirmed it. And I've read a little more about that. Apparently, she got into a little battle with uh, Wolf, the leftist governor in Pennsylvania. And she'd actually had a conference call with him where they both agreed, he agreed, that Pennsylvania would not continue to certify. And then as soon as they, they hung up, he basically pushed forward with it. So he really ticked her off. And her recent ruling was on her own. She basically laid it down, had the support of her colleagues or peers, and stated not only does the certification need to be locked down and stopped, but these guys have a great case. Well, since then, in their noble way, the Pennsylvania Supreme Court, this body is known as being extreme left. They weighed in and they lifted the block on the certification and said, and I quote, the latches Okay, you had to look, I had to look this up. L-A-C-H-E-S, latches clause, is this rarely used 
legal tactic or basis of judgment for a judge to rule against a motion, basically saying you waited too long. So whether you have a case or not, they're saying you waited too long and only waited until you needed this to be unconstitutional. And therefore, because you did that based on the latches standard, we throw your case out. At first, you know, if you had to argue why that's relevant, you could. And the question is, a year ago, when this Article 77 was essentially clarified, why didn't you bring the actions? The first thing I thought was like, wow, that, that could be a problem because we know this is going to be appealed to the Supreme Court. So this isn't the end, right? We had It's typical of these legal battles. You get hammered once, they appeal, you win, and the next one you lose. It doesn't matter. These cases are going to the Supreme Court, hopefully in time, and that's that's relevant. But latches, I've read, is extremely rare. And there's one legal problem with saying somebody took too long. That person's logical response is, well, I hadn't incurred any damages at the time. Because if you go at the time Article 77 was passed last year and you sue to block it, they're going to ask you why. They're going to ask you what has happened to you to have you bring a legal case. And the answer is nothing yet. Well, cases get thrown out for that reason too. So this case is going to the Supreme Court, and I'm still very confident in what just Judge McCullough said. And I think the Supreme Court justices will uphold her ruling and agree with it, at least five of them, and say Mark Kelly and Sean Parnell hadn't shown any damages at the time. Now, here's a really interesting and relevant and impressive sub-item to this. Mark Kelly, the Republican, bringing this lawsuit with Sean Parnell might lose if they win this case. Remember, this case is about the universal mail-in ballot process and unconstitutional changes they made via Article 77 last year. Mark Kelly, who is the representative of a district in Pennsylvania in the U.S. Congress, might lose. I don't know how it works out, but that's been asserted by guys like Mark Levin. He's bringing a lawsuit that if he wins, there's a good chance he will lose his seat. So don't forget Mark Kelly. Regardless of how this turns out, that is extremely rare when you deal with politicians who are mostly concerned with keeping power. Here's a guy that's going to give it up for all the right reasons. That is relevant in a case. It's not evidence you would produce and argue, but judges know, and the Supreme Court will know. And I can't see how that doesn't add credence to the case, right? You've got somebody bringing the lawsuit, the plaintiff, who wants to win. And if he wins, he loses his con congressional seat. That's astonishing, and it's inspiring. And so there's some good things coming out there. So don't sleep on that. And of course, there are continued lawsuits, more evidence coming in to have votes thrown out in Pennsylvania. That's been a tough avenue, right? They've taken two hits on those cases Giuliani has so far. My thought is he's going to go to the Supreme Court at the same time Parnell and Kelly do, and these cases can be argued together. That's what Trump wants. And we'll talk a little, about, a little bit about Trump's interview this morning on um, Bartiromo, Maria Bartiromo on Fox News. She's one of the last few hanging in and actually acting like a journalist. Of course, she's partisan, but she's one of the few people at Fox News that's actually talking about this. And Trump was very much like he always has been. This is really his first interview 
since the election. And, you know, he was positive about the fact that he's been wronged, all the things we know, but he didn't sound too confident about winning in the courts. And of course, he didn't mention the Pennsylvania House leader and this guy Cutler throwing in the towel and saying we won't meet and we won't hear Mastriano's resolution. I don't know if he'd known. I'm seeing reports from two hours ago. So maybe this is breaking as I'm recording, you know, now at almost 10 a.m. Pacific. So we'll see. But, you know, Trump is, is worried, like Giuliani expressed his same concern about timing. And what Trump added, too, was these courts are not allowing us to even bring evidence. Now, that's not totally true if things hold out in Michigan, right, where the Supreme Court, they're asked to see the evidence again in a more relevant case, and they said it was shocking. But Trump has a right to be concerned, a reason to be concerned. I mean, we have less than two weeks, right? It's, I mean, barely, I mean, when you talk business days, we're, ba- we're at almost the two-week day mark here. It's December 14th that the electors must be sent and must vote, essentially. And if you don't have faith in them, then they don't go and your electoral college votes aren't recorded for your state. With the hurt in Pennsylvania that Trump must know about by now, losing that legislative avenue because they won't meet in session because a guy like Brian Cutler is sadly in charge of making those decisions, well then that legislative, that non-court path is narrow. And so... I think that's probably the only way. You got to win in Wisconsin with this audit and get votes turned out, turned around. Keep in mind, the moment a state like Wisconsin flips, everything changes, right? All kinds of pressure are now put on courts. Everything is more validated. If even if it's not flipped yet, if they come out and say we threw out 126 1,212 votes because of this, because based on the audit and what we found, yada, yada, yada. That happens, the earth cracks a little bit, and we want that. So let's talk about Wisconsin. We'll move on to Wisconsin and the recount and audit in Milwaukee and Dane counties. We talked about it yesterday. Over 100,000, close to 200,000 votes already challenged. 150,000 votes have been challenged and formally accepted to be as a petition in the judicial system in Wisconsin. That's great news. And that's that Amistad project. They're working now with uh, the guy at Brainerd at VIP, um, Voter Integrity Project. He's the guy that did all the data farming, talking to voters, had his call centers going for the last two weeks. Incredible work exposing all of this fraud and irregular da- irregularity data. So Wisconsin experts like Steve Bannon, he is an expert, and he's got people on the show, lawyers that are all asserting that Wisconsin is going to drop for Trump, meaning they're really focused on the 60,000 votes in Milwaukee County, the 40,000 votes in Dane County that are absentee ballots without a request. Per their law in Wisconsin, it's more strict, same as Arizona, which is good. In Wisconsin, you have to request an absentee ballot That's the case, I believe, with most absentee ballots, non-universal mail-in ballots. They don't have universal mail-in in Wisconsin. So the fraud had to be based on absentee ballots and, of course, I believe, Dominion system impropriety. And 
fingers crossed, if Sidney Powell can get a hold of these Dominion machines, then I think she has a case. Not that she doesn't have a case that I believe. I just, it's all about what you can actually prove in court. It's got to be a lot because you're asking a judge to overturn an election, essentially. And so without the Dane County or Milwaukee County Dominion evidence, they have 100,000 total between the two counties votes, absentee votes, without requests. So you have 100,000 people they've proven already in this audit who supposedly voted absentee but didn't request a ballot. That's illegal, right? That is that is against the law about the election in Wisconsin that their state legislature passed. And we know the Constitution is very clear. It's about the state legislature. They have control. You cannot circumvent that law and count votes. That is a very strong case. It hasn't seen the light of day in court yet, so I'm saying it's strong based on the accusation and based on what we're told. What we need to hear is the full audit findings released this week, at least by Tuesday, where they people can go public. And I think these, um, I mean, a lot of these people already have to various press outlets who try to care, and there's not many. A lot of these people in Wisconsin, these poll watchers, these people that have participated and observed the uh, audit, they're already leaking things like the, you know, I talked about yesterday, the 2,000 votes in one precinct that were clearly signed by the same person. They were absentee ballots too, and they've been separated. There's 2,000 right there. So, you know, you're in this 20, I, I think I was wrong. I said 40,000. Wisconsin's a 20,000 vote margin between Trump and Biden. So every little bit counts. And if they found 2,000 absentee ballots fraudulently signed and submitted in one precinct in one county, they can extrapolate that across the state, even if they don't do an audit in the remaining counties. Again, they have a Republican legislature in Wisconsin. Aside from getting 100,000 votes thrown out and Trump winning post-audit, the legislature can do what Pennsylvania tried to do. And hopefully Wisconsin doesn't have, one, the same vanilla milk toast weenie running the show like they do in Pennsylvania with Brian Cutler. But also we hope their constitution allows for more time for them to stay in session or flexibility to be called into session. Because I think it's just absolutely ridiculous that in an emergency, you have to go with the strict date diet guidelines of session for for a state house. That's just a joke. We know Mastriano is going to fight that, fingers crossed. But back to Milwaukee County and Dane County, Trump paid $3 million for those two counties. That's relevant in so many ways. One, it's smart. Two, can he do that elsewhere? Because... Uh, he needs an audit. He needs something like that in counties in Georgia, namely Fulton, right, where Atlanta is, and DeKalb, right? Heavy uh, population centers, heavy, heavy blue involvement, and where the most and most credible accusations are coming from are Fulton and DeKalb counties. It'd be great if Brian Kemp, the governor, would do his job meaning represent Republicans in Georgia, and call for an audit because they had that ridiculous recount already and they're just counting the votes, right? The votes they already counted. So you're just looking for human error there. An audit looks at the ballots just like they're doing in Wisconsin. And again, Wisconsin, something comes out this week that votes are getting tossed out. Large numbers, thousands and thousands of votes are getting tossed out based on the audit. That puts pressure on guys like Kemp and other governors and other state legislatures because their constituents are going to ask, how do we know this didn't happen here? The accusations are the same as they are in Wisconsin. 
very easy point to make. So again, Wisconsin is the one domino I feel like we need to see fall this week. I thought it was going to be Wisconsin and the resolution coming out of Pennsylvania via Senator Doug Mastriano. That does not look likely. So keep your eye, your prayers, and your fingers crossed for Wisconsin this week. So we're moving on to Georgia. One question I asked already and one question I'm going to ask you and continue to ask people, and if I get a great answer either way, I will consider it, but why, if I were in Georgia, would I right now agree to vote on January 5th in the Senate runoff? What, because it's an important election? Yeah, not as important as the election that was just stolen from us, and I have better things to do than participate in a sham, especially for people that are not doing enough to represent me right now in this massive critical fight against election fraud against Biden's mafia. That's the fight now. And I talked about that rally that was supposed to be yesterday. Now they're pushing it to only December 5th. That is an indication that they are already starting to move on, that they want to focus on in Georgia. That rally is going to be in Georgia next week. And it's probably going to center on Purdue and Loeffler. I don't care. And I don't think Georgians have a reason to care right now about those two. Those two should not be worried about their runoff. They should be focusing all of their energy on getting Brian Kemp to fix the problem and audit their ridiculous presidential election and not start running for election in their runoff. Georgians don't care. Nobody's going to that rally on Saturday because they're excited about those two clowns, all right? And they're, they're fine people, but right now they're clowns because they're making a statement here and there about integrity and this and that. And then right after it's like, well, here's my opponent and he sucks because of this reason. And their opponents do suck. They're terrible. It won't matter. Okay, Stacey Abrams already has like hundreds of thousands of absentee ballots gathered, right? Well, you know, she's focused on it. She basically already won the presidential election in her mind, she's moved on to the Senate race. She's getting it done. And they're going to cheat their asses off too. You think they're not going to, well, they're going to change because they're worried about being caught? They don't care. The mob doesn't care. They're not afraid of getting caught. They've structured themselves that if they are caught, the lower peons go to prison. And the top dogs, the dons, like Stacey Abrams, don't get touched. Like Joe Biden, like Kamala Harris. No one touches Hillary Clinton. That's how the mafia works, right? And that's the only reason I was excited about Giuliani. He's taken them on before. And maybe he can pull something off this time. I don't. I think the chips are too stacked against him to actually have the people who need to be held accountable held accountable. Right now, it's just about winning the election. And in Georgia, y'all better not be, you know, all over the country, people are condescending the Georgia Republican and saying, why would you not vote? You know what? I agree with Lynn Wood. Lynn Wood's on the record saying Purdue and Loeffler need to be doing more. And he's asking the question. It's rhetorical from him. Why would they vote? He, he isn't going to vote. Lynn Wood's a Georgian. He will not vote in that election if something doesn't change. Not only would I not vote on January 5th, if I don't see something massive right, change based on what we know happened in this presidential election, I'm never voting again. I'm telling that right now. There is no, no compelling reason for me to go wait in line so that thousands of fraudulent ballots entered by some scumbag cheater, some loser who I wouldn't want to spend half a second with of my free time. Why am I going to do my one vote? One person, one vote? No way. 
Thousands of our votes are eviscerated by this cheating. And it's gone on before. And if nothing major, massive happens in this fight right now, it's going to continue. And I am not participating. I am not going to. I'm, my belief in what this country stands for is going to take a major hit. Because I'm going to feel like not only the election is a fraud, but the whole thing is. And this show will be about resisting it and about changing the Republican Party and about fighting almost from an any means necessary standpoint. Because if you don't know it yet, we are at war. It's cold right now, and I hope it stays cold. But understand that if people don't get justice with this 2020 election for Trump, everything changes. And I plan to capitalize on it. And I think you should too. And by capitalizing on it, I mean, we need to send another clear defining message. Because guess what? Let's assume both Republicans lose in Georgia. And I have to assume it. Trump lost there. We know he didn't. So what's going to change? So both Republicans lose. The Senate is 50-50, right? Assuming Kamala Harris, the dingbat, is inaugurated with grandpa, then she would be the deciding Senate vote, right? The tiebreaker. That... The crazy radical pieces of legislation that they want to pass will not get through the Senate with guys like Joe Manchin and other moderates on the Democrat side. He, he's not voting for that. Okay, He's not going to vote against the filibuster. Right? There's a few of them that are actually not horrible human beings. And the Republicans will lock in because the message will have been sent and they will be scared to cross us again in any way, shape, or form. So you can say, hey, listen, if you want to vote in the Georgia election, fine. If you want to vote in 2022, fine. As of right now, I'm not. And I'm going to encourage people not to until I think they get the message. Until guys like Mitt Romney, Chris Christie, and others are no longer in the conversation. Because I'm only voting if I think guys like Scott Bayo are going to primary Mitt Romney. I'm only voting in California if I see a chance for a Republican to do something meaningful in that election, and it's not going to be a massive cheat, which happened in California. They just can't get to that right now. They don't have the state legislature, obviously, that would support a hearing, and it's going to be a massive undertaking. But you watch. There will be legal action going on for a long time, and it will include the state of California. There's tons of evidence out there, too. But look at Texas. Look at guys like John Cornyn. Why would you vote for him? Why would you wait in line? For that guy ever again. I mean, he's a he's a total wean, he's just a wean bag. I mean, he's just standing around making statements. I think he even I mean has he congratulated Joe Biden yet? He was one of the well, let's see evidence people. Uh dude, yeah, that was like a week and a half ago. Where have you been? Where's Doug Collins been? The congressman in Georgia. His last tweet was like four days ago. Totally melted. Jim Jordan's fighting the fight. You need to show up for people that matter, not for the party anymore. Don't do it. Don't wait in line for some guy or gal because they're Republican. Look at what they did. Look at what they've done and what they've said and make your choice. Right now, Purdue and Loeffler would not earn my vote, would not earn my time on January 5th. And I doubt they will. Sorry, not going to happen. And until they make Brian Kemp order an audit and they actually fight to get something done today, they can't count on me tomorrow. So I ask, why vote in Georgia? If this continues, meaning this fraud is essentially ignored in Georgia and they let it go and they continue to certify and don't change anything, it's a month away. Don't wait in line for these clowns. 
don't show up. Don't show up unless something changes between now and then, and it has to be massive. So really quick in Michigan, so here's here's where we stand. Let's just assume nothing changes in Pennsylvania. Pennsylvania is in the courts only if that's going to non-certify. That's going to be harder. So if Trump wins, it's got to be through Michigan, Wisconsin, Nevada, Arizona, and or Georgia. And you know what I just said about Georgia. I'm not confident Georgia's going to get anything done to stop the certification for Joe Biden. I don't know what can happen in Georgia between now and December 14th based on these pathetic two Republicans, Kemp and Raffenberger, sitting on their hands and hiding and running out the clock. Trump's concerned about it too. Again, Wisconsin will change all that if we can win there and it's got to be this week in some way. It'll be appealed. So for instance, if they overturn those votes, that's going to the Supreme Court, fine. It'll get there fast. That's a big deal. But in Wisconsin, you have, I mean, sorry, Michigan, you got to win in the courts. That new filing with the Supreme Court, and they might just do it through Sidney Powell's filing from Wednesday night and bring that evidence to a court. It's going to get tossed. There's going to be a local judge in Michigan probably who says, no way, not taking it. Then it will go to the Michigan Supreme Court. They've already affirmed that the evidence they saw in that individual lawsuit from last week where Trump's team was helping, they said it was shocking. They want to see it again. They've got to win there. We need a state Supreme Court to say, yes, this is fraud. We cannot allow certification as it stands right now. That has to come from a large court. Justice McCullough, Judge McCullough in Pennsylvania helped, but these state Supreme Courts are the last stop before the U.S. Supreme Court. And it certainly helps if you win. Now, if they lose and it's close, like a five to four, that's great too. These unanimous judgments, I believe the one in Pennsylvania yesterday that overruled Judge McCullough, that was a 7-0. But they're super liberal, they're super leftist, and I don't think guys like Clarence Thomas give a, Clarence Thomas gives a rip. And Justice Alito is the guy over Pennsylvania, and he'll make sure that's going to get to the Supreme Court. It's it's going to be it's going to be tried there. But that's it for Michigan. It, it I don't see an audit happening in time, right? A statewide. I mean, they they should do it in Detroit at least. Um, but I think the courts are the way to go. Now tomorrow you have the Republican hearing in Arizona. Giuliani's there. VIP Voter Integrity Project uh, Brainerd. I think his first name is Matt. I always forget. He's there. He now claims that the FBI has asked for his evidence. I didn't lead with this. You think the FBI wants evidence. They're looking into voter fraud. Is that big news? Because I don't know. It's the FBI and they are slow. So big deal that they're looking into this. I mean, hopefully they have been this whole time, but if not, thanks for showing up, fellas. Did you have a nice holiday? Um, you know, so the FBI has contacted Brainerd and the Voter Integrity Project for all of their evidence. He said he'll have it all to them by Tuesday. That's certainly good news. I don't think it's relevant. Tick, 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 tick. The clock's running. The FBI is not doing anything that helps this in the next two weeks. No way. Even if they make an arrest, it's not going to be enough. So, you know, it's a, and it's just a massive case. I mean, if they're looking at this from a criminal standpoint and bringing it to U.S. attorneys, they have to gather a ton of evidence before a U.S. attorney is going to issue warrants, right, and prosecute this case. So it's good news. I like that the FBI is involved. But honestly, the only thing I care about, and it was hard to care about Thanksgiving, because the only thing I care about right now as far as events in my life is seeing enough 
done to fight for Trump against this fraud. That's all I care about. So the FBI, great job, guys. I mean, really don't have a whole lot of faith in you as an administration, as an organization anyway. So yeah, Arizona, the good news is, is Brainerd's got good stuff. And he is appearing in front of that hearing tomorrow in Arizona. I don't know if he's going to be in Michigan on Tuesday for their hearing or late next week in Nevada, December 3rd, which is Thursday. I don't know if he's going to Nevada either. But we know he's in Arizona. We know Giuliani's there. Giuliani's not flying to Phoenix for the Mexican food, okay? He's going to try this case in the court of public opinion. That's what these hearings are about. All of the witnesses will have signed sworn affidavits under penalty of perjury. And I think we're going to hear more shocking evidence. Although Pennsylvania looks like it went right down the drain as of a couple hours ago, um, who knows what Mastriano can do. Even though that is the case, the hearings helped. And two more, three more actually, with similar or better evidence shared will certainly help more. In parallel, if we get something coming out of Wisconsin at the same time these hearings are going, just like that, we have taken control of the narrative. That has to happen this week. We have to go into the following week surfing, right? So much momentum, so much going our way that we're unstoppable. A massive red wave with a giant, massive red surfboard and Trump's beautiful body riding it all the way in. That's where we have to be in a week. Next Sunday has to be a goal line, red zone, first down opportunity for us. The odds have to be significantly in our favor. Next week, next Sunday, that has to be the theme. If it's not, it's over. Meaning it becomes at best a lottery ticket, lotto ticket chance after they send electors and the election goes to Joe Biden with 270 more electoral votes. That's that's December 14th and it's not completely over. But if the evidence doesn't get us to a point where that doesn't happen, nothing's going to change. Sidney Powell's evidence is what it is. If she can't get something forensically proven in the next couple of weeks, and she, as of yesterday, asked for an emergency injunction, right? She did emergency action requesting, demanding that the Dominion systems in Georgia be seized for evidentiary purposes. I mean, that's great. A judge has to tell her. A judge has to say it, and at least then we know the Democrats will fight that, and we can say, what are you trying to hide? Again, we're relying on judges. God knows who appointed them. God knows what they believe. If they're political, if they're activists, they're not going to grant that injunction. I don't know how long we have for her to appeal that and actually get it, because I don't think there's a Dominion case without actual forensic evidence. I really don't. And we can close with this. I love the case. I love what I've seen. The numbers, the stats, they add up. The testimony from experts, ex-military intel guys, people that she has working for them, extremely compelling. No one gives a damn in these courts. We have to get our head around that. They just don't. They're just not caring. And if they do care, it takes too long. You get one like McCullough, and then they get slammed down. Because, sorry to say, no one wants to deal with this pile of trash. It's giant. It's stinking. It's like that elephant, right? That elephant in the room I talked about. It's there. It reeks. It just stood up. It's it's still dumping in the corner and they're ignoring it. No one wants to deal with it now because this problem, like any problem, has not gotten better when you ignore it and they've ignored it and the media has been complicit in helping them ignore it. 
if there were massive press pressure coming from the mainstream media, this would be different. And this is why we have to punish them too and tune them out. And it's starting to happen and I'm excited to hear that. So this is it. This week, the first week of December, we got to start start scoring touchdowns. We, we can't be down by 40 points next Sunday. Right now we're down by 60, right? It's doable. I mean, it's, there's like, it's the first quarter, but it's going to move quickly. We're in the second quarter by Tuesday, and we're in the fourth quarter on Sunday. We better have it close, and we better have the ball. If we don't, it ain't going to happen. And we got to start talking about what needs to be done in the next year to continue to change this party to Trump's party. He's not going to be gone. He is going to be motivated. He might even run again in 2024. If they can't come up with someone like him, that's what's going to happen. No one's going to, no one's going to nominate a guy or support a guy in a primary or a gal that is a return to the old Republican Party that doesn't have some kind of Trump in their swagger. We're done with the old guard. And you could see, I mean, Mike Pence, great guy, no chance. Uh, there's no way, right? God help us if we were to nominate him in 2024. That's a Republican who's designed to lose in this era, even if they don't cheat. And again, I won't commit to voting in the 2024 presidential election until probably 2022, meaning I'll need to see massive changes, massive reform, and frankly, trust the system. I don't now. I think, I think the lamest thing you can do is vote. I really do. I will, I will keep it to myself as best I can, but the next time I see, I see some goofy SOB with an I voted sticker on, like you accomplished something, congrats. You're able to take some time out of your day and actually be somewhere with your ID. Whoop-de-doo. But if you're wearing that sticker and you're posting it, I'm laughing at you from somewhere. Because you now know what's happened. You know what is happening. And you still line up and do it. Yeah, but Arthur, it's my constitutional duty. No, it's not. There's nothing, there's nothing behind it. It's a fraud. Okay? It's, it's, it's time you could be doing something better like eating cheese. Right? I mean, that's more important to me right now than voting. All things held the same. I'll never vote again. Until I see change. And frankly, I need to see Trump win. Why am I why am I hedging my bets right now? I'm not. If he doesn't win, you better have a compelling reason why for me to say, okay, enough was still done. I'll still vote again. Georgia, you shouldn't. I don't I don't I mean, here's the deal. Until we fix it, you know the other thing is? We just need to cheat too. And don't tell me, oh, we're better than that. Well, we can be better than that and lose and lose and lose. Fine. But if you've seen Gangs of New York, one of my favorite movies. There was an election for sheriff. It was a big deal. And both sides, DiCaprio's side and, um, oh gosh, I'm drawing a blank on his name, um, Daniel Day-Lewis, the phenomenal actor who played the main character who was in charge of the Patriot Party. He's a heavy nationalist, ironic, who didn't want anybody from overseas. These were like the first generation of adults that were born in America battling with DiCaprio and the immigrants. And the way they won, DiCaprio's side won the sheriff's, election they got their guy in because they cheated better it's a great scene with the patriot side beating the hell out of these guys in bars and dragging them to vote and they'd walk out after voting they put them back in line both sides were doing it that's the way it's got to be i'll vote again if we cheat the same if i feel like the republicans put a machine together and do the same thing and if that's the game if no one's going to hold anybody accountable this time they're never going to do it again we better start cheating too sorry and i mean i'm glad to be a part of it i don't care 
I mean, I'm not going to admit it. I'll be able to protect myself. It's easy to get away with how we set it up. So I'll give you that. Either we fix it or we cheat. And if I feel confident in either, I'll vote again. If not, you'll never see me wearing that stupid-ass sticker on anything again. I've never worn it anyway because I'm not that proud of myself. I mean, I think it's about as difficult as writing a check, voting. And I make fun of people when they shared all these posts about Kamala Harris saying, make a plan, like a battle plan. I mean, like you have an obstacle course you got to go through to get to the, the polling station. And now we just mail you a ballot. All you got to do is waddle over, get a pen and sit down at the table between meals. Might be difficult for some. I don't know. And write your name and fill in a few boxes and mail something. Yeah, not hard. Postage is paid, baby. Don't talk to me about making a plan. It's easy. It's not impressive. Everybody should do it if it's fair, if it's equitable, and it's not. So as of right now, don't do it. I'm encouraging you not to vote and hold back that one bit of power you have, and that is resisting our corrupt party because they'll be just as corrupt as the Democrats if they don't win this fight, especially the people that don't even gauge, don't even get in it. Why would you vote for them? They're just going to screw you next time you need them. That's stupid right? What do they say, right? Fool me once, right? Fool me twice, shame on me. So I ain't going to be fooled twice. I voted in this election. I feel damn stupid that I did. I feel stupid. That's, it took 30 minutes. There's definitely something better I could have done with my time that day. And I'm not making that mistake again, unless I'm confident we can win one way or another. Finally, good news. I want to close with it because there wasn't a lot today. 20 million vaccines, according to the main health experts at NIH, there will be 20 million vaccines available to Americans by the end of the year. That's 30 days from now. They're already going out in planes. The at-risk communities are going to see them first. It's fantastic. That 20 million is going to be followed by 30 or 40 million, maybe more, considering I believe these first 20 are only the Pfizer vaccine. You have AstraZeneca and Moderna following up with phenomenal data. I mean, they're, they're sharing over 90% effectiveness. So that 20 million is going to be probably closer to another 40, 50 million by the end of January. And by then you're going to see it made readily available to people that I think need it as much as well are people that need to get back out and drive commerce and not be stopped by all of the irrational fear of a virus with a mortality rate of well less than 1%. And that is based on data considering not just cases, but active infections that are known out there that were never documented by a test. When you factor that in, the mortality rate is about 0.3%. And we shut down the greatest world, the greatest economy in the world, and almost killed it for something with a minuscule mortality rate. Now, we don't want it. You don't want the virus. It's real, especially if you have health risks. But we need to make sure we never consider these things in a pure vacuum again. Folks, I appreciate it. I hope it wasn't too negative. I'm just being, I'm just trying to keep it real. There are paths for Trump and they, it's a moving target. Maybe in 30 minutes after I publish this, something changes for the better. Guess what? An hour later, something will change for the worse. This roller coaster is going to continue. I'll be with you every step of the way. Maybe back again today, this evening, if not for sure tomorrow with more updates and we'll definitely be discussing the hearings in Arizona. Have a great rest of the weekend. God bless, and we will talk to you soon.
Okay, I guess this is a postscript. I'm just going to keep this on the original uh, broadcast here and add a few minutes to update you. And it's not good news, but it's not the news you're going to think it is. I don't think it's really any news, actually, but I don't want you to panic. The moment I began to start publishing this, Wisconsin released its recount results. It was like a net 48 for Trump. So they did a recount and audit. At first, I was completely crushed, and I'm worried you will be too, because it's uh, it's not what it seems. The audit is an opportunity to challenge ballots. And so what I'm understanding, and these are the things, unfortunately, we learn as we go, because nothing like this has ever happened. They audited the ballots. They recounted them. The recount is pure. They're, they're not throwing out ballots in in that recount or audit, right? There's no authority in the room that can say, yes, I agree, challenger, whoever challenges the ballot, those should be thrown out. They're contested. As of the completion of this recount and audit, the Trump legal team is going to contest 238,000 ballots in Wisconsin. So the media angle is going to be punishing, right? It's definitely going to say it's over in Wisconsin. What they're not going to tell you is this recount has a big asterisk next to it. It's a recount with a crap ton of ballots up for question, right? And you don't need all 238,000. My focus is still on the 100,000 absentee ballots without a matching request. There's other challenges to the definitely confined people we talked about yesterday where individuals were not supposed to vote under that, um, that exception. Now, again, these are actual votes. Are they legal? No. Is a judge going to throw them out? In my opinion, no. I don't think Brainerd gets it in that regard. He's tremendous. His data is solid. His expectation is illegal means thrown out. I think the just judge in charge, whoever's going to make this final decision, will say to those ballots, yeah, they were improper. They need, there needs to be better security and validation next time, but we're not going to take votes away from people that we know they intended to count. So of that 238,000, a percentage are examples like this, the definitely confined. I am not putting my eggs in that basket. I think Wisconsin still has a tremendous legal case and they're going to have to move quickly. They've already filed the petition and they're going to have to have something in their favor in court this week in Wisconsin. Um, my concern, and I'll close with this, is that judges around the country, just like this guy, this legislator, this GOP uh, wuss in Pennsylvania, Cutler, they just don't want to touch this. They don't want to have their hands on, and, and really, they don't want to see it. It's like a see no evil thing. That's my fear, is this is so massive, it's too big for them to really comprehend solving, and they don't want their name on that. They know what the left will do to them. They know what their life will be like if they have a hand in overturning an election, even if they have complete legal standing to do so. So I want to give you that update. Wisconsin is not over. It is the first step. I'm glad we got it done today. So they're finally done. They got it done. They were supposed to be done today. And now the legal fight starts and they will contest 238,000 ballots in Wisconsin. We don't need but 70 or 80,000 to get thrown out because these are all mail-in absentee ballots, right? So these are almost all for Biden. That's part of the fraud. You get a percentage of this thrown out, Trump will win. So keep the faith, stay positive. It's going to be an up and down battle this week and we'll talk to you soon.